Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have like a superstar on the show. I have Brandy Wilson Edwards with us. She is an attorney. She is a motivational speaker and she is just an all around amazing lady. So please share this out and stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let me bring Brandy on to the stream. Brandy, welcome to the show. Hello. I am so excited. Thank you for having me. Did you sleep last night? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. It's so funny. So, Brandy, I met you in Dallas. I was down there speaking at an event, and um, you saw I was in Dallas on Instagram, I think, and sent me a message, and we met and got to hang out. And um, I thought, man, this li- I've been trying to get you on here now for almost a year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being consistent and persistent. I never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. So, so Brandy, um, let's talk about. Um, good morning, Robert Brooker. Good morning. Um, let's talk about, so, you know, I created this show three and a half years ago, um, and it was literally to help people get unstuck in life because I think that we all go through things and end up getting stuck. So, um, I, I, would love to hear about, hear your story and, and how you've been through things and got unstuck. Um, so let's start with where you were born and raised. Well, I moved around a lot growing up, which I think really helped give me the ability to adapt and embrace change, desire change, not be scared of it. So I was born in McKinney, Texas, although I never lived there. And all things considered, I tell people I grew up in Commerce, Texas, which is about an hour and 15 minutes somewhat northeast of Dallas. And that was the sixth school that I went to, but I graduated high school from there. And, and it's called Commerce? Yes. Small a, Town, USA. Is it small? It is very small. I think yeah. I graduated with somewhere a little over 100 people, maybe like 120, something like that. It was very small. And I always felt like I was missing something in my life, and I didn't know what it was, but I always felt like there was so much more. And I told people it was the city. I am a city girl. I will always remember where I came from. My family still lives around the area, but I absolutely love Dallas and New York City and anything that is just busy with opportunity. Wow. So I can totally relate to that, by the way. Um, So when uh, growing up, I mean, I, I think that Typically, there's someone or something, maybe an event that occurs that kind of pushes us in the direction that we 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 go in life. Does anything come to mind? Like I know you and we'll get to that. You went to law school, but but what what kind of pushed you in life? I've always been a very self-motivated and driven person. 
I have always been the one that has been a big dreamer and believing in myself and really have always had big audacious goals and dreams and always felt I was capable of achieving it. Uh, my grandmother always encouraged me, especially in a few different periods in my life where I started to doubt myself. And as far as one particular thing that kind of pushed me, it's a memory I remembered actually probably like 2019 or so when I started speaking. And in sixth and seventh grade, I did competitive public speaking. And I don't know if my teacher will end up joining this or not, but I connected with him in 2019. I found him on Facebook mm. and I was like, you are never going to believe what I'm doing. You know, I went to law school, but now I'm doing motivational speaking. And he was like, I'm not surprised. And you're actually on my hall of fame <laughs> wall at school because when I was doing this, competitive public speaking in sixth and seventh grade, he actually had me compete with the high school kids. There was a middle middle school division and the high school division, and he had me compete with them. And then I went to state and then placed somewhere, I think in the top 10. And wow. uh, he was like, I always knew that, that you would be great at that. So that is something that really, I think helped teach me at a young age that I was good at this. And yeah. I thought, well, I'd go to law school. That, so public speaking is what made you decide to go to law school? No, I wouldn't say that it's what just made me decide to go to law school. I always wanted to be an attorney from probably as early as middle school. People told me growing up I was argumentative. I was very opinionated. I was loud and I would make a great attorney. And I didn't want to struggle when I got older. I watched my mom be a single mom and power through so many different different uh, situations. And she always did the best that she could. And yeah. I knew that I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be financially independent, all of those things. And and thought, well, attorneys make a lot of money. I'll just go to law school. And wow. I was very passionate about becoming a prosecutor and being a voice for so many different victims and their families and, and bringing justice. Um, but Sometimes your dreams can change and that's okay. So I gave myself permission to pursue a passion project that turned into what I'm doing now with speaking. That's, that is amazing. So where did you end up going to college for your undergrad? I went to the university of North Texas in okay. Denton, and then I went to law school at Oklahoma city university. So I moved out of state for a little bit and I tell people I got back to Texas as soon as I could. Yeah. Well, Oklahoma's not too far. <laughs> That's <laughs> like right there. Right. Um, so, so, um, so you got out of, out of law school. Um, well, you, you got out of college. Did you immediately go to law school? Like as soon as you, you graduated? Def yes. I went directly after school, but I had a six month break between okay. when I graduated yeah. from when I went to law school. And interestingly, I was a live-in nanny in between college and law school. And I was this kid's mom for six months, basically. The mom worked out of state and wow. the father wasn't around. And so I was with him Monday through Friday while I was studying for my law school admissions test. Um, so I have extensive childcare experience, even though I don't have kids. <laughs> so, so you, you, um, you, you, so you went to law school, you get out of law school, you take the bar exam. I've heard that that is um, brutal. Ken, that is an understatement. Yeah. That is an <laughs> understatement. That was the most stressful time in my entire life. And 
you know, if we just want to get right into it, I'm happy to share my story. Yeah. That. Uh, so studying for the Texas bar, number one, Texas is one of the most difficult bars to pass. You know, you have California and New York, but Texas is really hard and a lot of people don't pass the first time. And I graduated from law school on a Sunday and my bar review classes started immediately the next day. So there was no break. Wow. And that was all summer. So some part of May, June, and then I took the bar at the end of July. I sat at home by myself on my birthday studying for this exam because it was dedicated and my entire life depended on me passing so I could start my career. Wow. And uh, it's a three-day test. I got about five hours of sleep collectively for three days of testing. Oh I was God. a zombie. I don't even know how I was functioning, but Ken, I was so stressed out and would go take the test the first day and then come back and study and just trying to see what I could learn or memorize or, or whatever. And wow. I don't recommend that. And I was so worried I would oversleep that I couldn't sleep. Uh, so that three, yeah, three days of testing on five hours of sleep. Do not recommend it. So I took wow. the board exam and then you have to wait about three months for results to come out because a lot of it's handwritten essays. There's a small portion that's multiple choice, but a lot of it's essay. So wow. you have to keep reading it and reviewing it. And so I, I get the, the notification that we, that the results are out and I'm staring at my computer screen, like refreshing the screen, waiting for my name to populate. And I'm scrolling Ken and I don't see it. And I'm thinking there's no way I didn't pass. There's no way because at this point I've studied for three months, waited for three months, six months have passed and I didn't pass the first time. You and didn't? I didn't. Oh, that's... That failure in my life was so significant because I never failed at anything in my entire life. I felt, you know, embarrassed. I felt like I wasn't smart enough and all of these different things. And yeah. it was a really, really difficult period, but... I remember calling my grandparents and I told them I'm crying and my grandpa's like, so what are you going to do? So well, I'm going to study again. And I'm going to take it again. He's like, that's what I want to hear. And you know, wow. that, that experience just taught me how resilient I am because the thought of studying for that test again, it was just, you know, it was difficult. And so many attorneys don't share their experience with failing the bar the first times because yeah. they're so worried about other people judging them. They're so worried about what yeah. other people think and their opinions and, and how it's going to look professionally. But I'm very open about it. When, right. My speaking events, because people need to know everyone watching, it is okay to fail because when you fail, it means that you are trying. It means that you were trying and so many people do not fail Highland. So many people do not fail in life because they're not trying. Right. I, I, I totally agree. I think that me personally, if I'm picking an attorney to do anything for me, I, I don't, I don't care if you took the bar exam 15 times. <laughs> I just want to know that you didn't give up and you won't give up and you'll fight for what, what I, what I want to hire you to do. Exactly. I know too many attorneys that are passive. They're like, come on, let's just settle this or let's, you know, and it's like, no, go for it. Like, you know, this is what I want. So I think I, I, I love, I love the fact that you failed. <laughs> I love it. You looking back, I can appreciate it now during yeah. that period. I never failed at anything in my entire life. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but there was also 
reasons because I, there were different periods in my past where I didn't give myself the opportunity to fail. And it's better to always take action. That way you, you don't have to wonder what if, I mean, you were talking about this last night on your live Ken about, you know, um, kind of like those regrets and worrying what could have been. And you said some type of quote and regret is difficult to live with. Like, just go for it, try. And and know that you can try again and you can learn and improve and yep. and all of those things. Something can always be learned. There's a, a lesson or a blessing. I feel like at every experience, both good and bad. Totally agree with you a thousand percent. I, you know, the, and, and I had the, the billionaire on the show, Rami El Batrawi. And... I have his book right here. Oh, I love that. He ordered it that. after after you talked about it, and it is phenomenal. It is, and and you know he's he talks about um, Napoleon Hill and thinking grow rich, and and the number one cause of of failure is is procrastination. People people don't see. I don't know about failure, but the lack of success in life is they procrastinate. They don't, they don't take action. And, and that's what you did. So talk about the second time you took the bar. What was that? Did you get more than five hours sleep? I did. I did. I got a lot more sleep and I was actually working full time when I was studying the second time. I wasn't working the first time and you know, it it was a very stressful period, Ken. And so, um, I did pass the second time. But you talk about people procrastinating and people not taking action because everyone thinks that they have tomorrow, they have next week, they have next month or next year. Well, when you wake up every single day, that's a gift. And that's an opportunity that gets taken away from so many people every single day. So when I didn't pass the bar the first time, difficult period. I I don't even know how how I got out of bed each day. But Ken, about three weeks later, I got news that one of my best friends had passed away in a a tragic car accident. Yes. And that period was very difficult. And I had to study for the bar exam. I was working full time. And so while I was working, while I was also grieving, I'm studying and I'm still showing up. And that's what you have to do through challenging times. When something is important to you, you just don't give up and you power through and you do the best that you can in each moment. Right. And no idea how I passed the second time, considering all the stress in my life. But I did by a lot of points uh, compared to the first time. And, you know, kind of the rest is history with that. But it was difficult. And it just is a kind reminder for everybody listening. Do not wait until tomorrow. You can take action today. Power through the fear. Do it scared. And be proud of yourself and celebrate yourself because you never know what's going to happen. And we all think we'll do it tomorrow, but start living with a sense of urgency in your life. Yeah. So you don't have to wonder what if, and you don't have to wonder what could have been. Yep. So when you, when you, um, yeah, Victoria says that you got to do it scared. I mean, you, that, that's the thing. Um, uh, who is it? Uh, Dave, a buddy of mine. Uh, oh, I can't think my, my brain's not working. Um, he wrote a book called, um, I forget. I'll, I'll think of it in a minute, but it's about fear. And, you know, people are always trying to avoid 
the the things that they're afraid of and and the only way to get through it is to face it confront it and right. and, and push so so you you so you ended up passing the bar exam did you go to work at a firm did you what or did you what did you do from there Yes. So I was working at a law firm while I was studying for the bar the second time, which okay. was difficult because I was in there every Saturday, typically working, uh, getting an, a, an early start on working all of the time, like many attorneys do, yeah. which is is not OK. Um, and that's why so many attorneys are unhappy and it leads to so much burnout. Yeah. But um, I ended up leaving that firm a little bit after I passed the bar exam and I did some short term contract work with different companies and worked on some really big cases. And then um, soon after, got the job where I have been at now for a little over 10 years. Look who's here. Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm getting Mambo taxis. <laughs> oh, my Lord, have mercy. Uh, we had, we, that's what we had dinner with Jen and, yes. and, and Taylor. Yeah, yes. That, that was, was so fun. much fun. That was fun. I was, I was Charlie from Charlie's angels for one night of my life. <laughs> I love it. So, Ken, did we get a picture doing that? Like, I don't remember. Maybe we just talked about it. I don't think we, okay. did we get a picture. I don't think we did. I'll have to we look. Should have. We I should know. have. We now now I have to come back to Texas yes. and we recreate it. Absolutely. <laughs> so so um what oh Jen said that we did. Well, I'm you the know, only I was person we did, but I can't remember. And Ken, you and I weren't even drinking, and we don't mm -hmm. remember. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um so so you went, you ended up doing uh, when you say contract work. Meaning you were like a subcontractor? I was just working independently. Uh, I wasn't necessarily hired on with particular firms, but just as an independent attorney, just working on some things short term until cases ended. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We got we got a picture in front of the step and repeat at the conference that I spoke we at. We did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I knew we yeah. had that picture. I was yeah. thinking at the restaurant, but I, I guess we didn't. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if we did it. The, I, I feel like we, we would did. remember if we did. So I don't think. I don't well, think we were sitting at that round top table. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think we got one. Yeah. Yeah, that's we got it. The step and repeat. So, and I don't show that because it shows my gut. I don't share that that picture much. So, um, <laughs> I'm just playing. You have to be kind to yourself, kid. I'm playing. So, so. Where did things get what at what point did you decide that you wanted to start doing public speaking? It was a process. So I would say about five years in to practicing law, I just started to become burned out and questioning what I wanted to do with my life. Mm. And it's also because I didn't get into the area of law that I felt so passionate about that made me not want to you know quit every day um, in law school yeah because I had something driving me when when things got hard and so about my five-year mark at my firm I just started to think I was not born to sit behind a desk all day yeah working for someone else doing all of this paperwork and just I felt like very uh deflated when I would go into the office and I'm I'm very positive 
energetic and, you know, going into the office and just the stress of everything was just kind of deflate me every day. And I was drinking at the time and I noticed the more unhappy that I became, the more that I would drink. And, uh, just kind of that period, I would say like 2016, 2017, just kind of felt like I was going through the motions. Like I'm unhappy, but I wasn't really sure what I was going to do about it and just kind of going through the motions. And yeah. then um, I was still doing things like going to hot yoga and reading personal development, things like that. But I went to a women's retreat that really helped uh, change my life in so many different ways. It was the first time I meditated, which you were talking about meditation on your live last night. Yeah. And I've been showing up consistently, just sharing motivational content, inspiring content, sharing my self-love journey online. And it was resonating with a lot of people. And so before I went to that event, I knew I wanted to host something on my own to take everything offline. So I went to this women's retreat and I came back and decided I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get scared. I'm going to host an event. If people show up, great. If they don't, at least I tried. And then it went really well. Um, and then 2000. 18, I went back to the same retreat and I'd been building up more of a following and, and different things like that and getting a lot more clarity in my life because I stopped drinking in 2018. So mm. I was becoming happier. I was getting more clarity. I had so much time in my life to think about things and invest in myself and go into different events. And when I left that retreat in 2018, I made three promises to myself because I knew that I'd been wanting to speak and go into events and I would see people on stage. I'm like, I want to do that because when I leave these events, I go take action and I see my life change because of it. And I want to do that. And sometimes I would be at these events and think I could do it better than that person on stage or seeing someone as inspiration. And like, I want to do that too. And so the three promises I made to myself was to use my voice, share my stories and follow my happiness. And I knew I wanted to be a speaker then. And within months, I got my first keynote in January of 2019. And then wow. it just started to take off from there. And it started out as a passion project. And it was just giving me something to look forward to when I was so unhappy with the legal work and yeah. giving me a positive outlet to make more productive choices instead of destructive choices since I'd stopped drinking. And it just kind of built from there. So did you pay for law school or was that something your parents did or how did that work? Cause I know it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not free. Even in it Texas. is definitely not free. And I took out loans. Okay. I, I, um, I was the first one in my family that went to college and then obviously wow. the first one to go to law school. And wow. I, just thought, well, I'm going to, you know, take out the maximum amount of loans and I'll pay it back easily. I had no understanding, Ken, of the interest and in, in how expensive this really would be. And yeah. the law school that I went to was a private law school on top oh, of that. Oh, Lord. And no one really educated me on, on the financial choices that I was making. And I just thought, you know, even if someone had, I'm very stubborn and independent. And I just thought, well, attorneys make a lot of money. I'll just, I'll just make it back. It'll be easy. Yeah, right. Ken, when I got out of law school, I had so much debt. My interest was over a thousand dollars a month. Wow. My interest. So wow. uh, it, it was just a, a very dark cloud. And when I got the job where I was at, it was kind of those golden handcuffs. Well, what am I going to do if I leave? Because I have to, I have to pay these student loan payments. 
And I ended up refinancing and getting out of the consolidation that I did with the U.S. Department of Education. I took a risk on myself to lose all of the federal protections because I knew I could get a better interest rate. And my number one priority since graduating law school has been to pay off my student debt. And I'm so excited. I'm so close to having it paid off. Wow. I it over every single thing. And the, the satisfaction that I feel and that stress gradually decreasing because now it set me up in a position where I can, I can do more things and take more risks in life. And I'm very excited. And I think <laughs> I'm going to hold my opinion, but I think there's so many people that go through, I mean, because that's not even like really now you're like, I, I'd way rather be a public speaker, motivational speaker than, than do this, this lawyering stuff. Um, but that, I don't even know what's that with hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 to go to law school. I mean, it's, it's not it's in a private school at that. It's gotta be crazy. So you go in, you spend all this money and then you get out, you start practicing. And, and you said it was five years later. You're like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Right. Wow. But, That's, but that sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but Ken, I know that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And yeah. I do not regret going to law school at all. I am very proud of my law degree. I, I work so hard for it. Sure you do. And it's so interesting looking back because at first I started talking about self-love and helping women with confidence and body positivity and mindset. Yeah. I never in a million years would have thought it would have translated into me talking to attorneys about happiness and stress management and making more empowering choices and more courageous choices. Yeah. That's exactly what it has led to because I'm relatable to attorneys. I mean, I know I'm not your typical attorney and I wear a, a lot of hot pink and I don't take myself too seriously and all of those things, but it put me in a position where I can bring personal development to attorneys and help bridge that gap because a lot of attorneys, especially firms, they're just focused on professional development and, yep. and I really enjoy bringing a different side. Uh, and so I, I don't regret going to law school because it was really a stepping stone that led me to where I am because it was through my burnout that it really helped push me towards my potential yeah. and help me discover it. And if people watching can shift their mindset, you know, and look back and how you can connect the dots because it took everything happening in your life, good or bad up until this point to get you to where you are and where you can go and how you can use those experiences in your life to, set you up for success in different ways. That's amazing. And you're right. I I have the picture. Do you want to see it? Yes. Here it is. I love it. There it is. There's my buddy, Chaz Wilson. There's Jen and Taylor and you. And who's that fat guy in the middle? Ken, be nice <laughs> to yourself. I'm just playing. <laughs> I know, I'm I know. Playing. You have to so, a person here. Of course, I have to say that. <laughs> so, so I, you know, the I, I find it interesting because I don't know that there's a lot of of people that are are focused on making life better for attorneys. Like that's that is that is that your primary focus right now? Is like I just want to help attorneys? Ken, 
I want to help a lot of attorneys, but I don't like to put myself into a box. I am multi-passionate. I have enjoyed speaking to 200 middle school girls just as much as I've enjoyed speaking to CEOs of multi-million dollar companies. I I love doing so many different things and, and speaking to different audiences. Yes, I do have a focus on creating happier attorneys in a variety of different ways, but I don't want to put myself in a box. And, and I, I want to speak to a lot of different people. Yeah. I, and I know, you know, marketing and all those things, if you speak to no, or if you speak to everyone, you speak to no one, but I am, I am not afraid to do things differently and, and disrupt things and, and change how things have always been done in a variety of different ways. I love this question. Victoria was at that conference, by the way, she said, I can't believe I missed the opportunity to meet you. Um, but she asked the question, why is it important for you to teach women about self-love? Oh, that's a great question. And and I would say not just women because everybody needs it. And what I've learned through sharing different things on social media is a lot of men struggle with self-love and acceptance as well. They're just not going to share it and be as vulnerable as right. some women will be. But for me, it is so important to teach people how to love themselves, which is more than just loving your body. And it's more than a mindset. I really approach self-love as a lifestyle. It's the choices that we make, what we choose to do, what we choose not to do. And it's so important because I feel like too many people hold themselves back in a variety of different ways because of how they feel about themselves. Yeah. And when you can reach a place where you can love yourself in the moment without conditions, that is very freeing. And so that's why it's important. And we are always a work in progress, especially for challenging ourselves, growing, trying to improve and become better. And so while you are enough, everybody watching, you are enough as you are in the moment, but you can always become better as well as a human being, as a person. And so I always say, love yourself while you work on yourself, which means you love yourself during the work, not after it. And it's the same thing with, I feel like success and achievements and goals is so many people wait until they achieve the final thing to, to feel proud or to celebrate themselves when there's so many actions and many choices, decisions that you've had to make along the way to get there. And so it's the same thing with self-love. It is a process. It is a journey. I am so much further along my journey than where I was, but I will always have room to improve and grow with that. And it's so important to love yourself while you work on yourself. So you have to meet yourself with grace and compassion. You have to forgive yourself. And the thing is, the more that you can love yourself in the moment, the more that you can give yourself grace and compassion, the more that you can forgive yourself for not being the best version of yourself in the past, the more that you can extend that to other people. So, you know, when I hear, you know, love yourself, um, I, I mean, I, obviously you're not the first person to say that. And, and, you know, it's almost a cliche in some circles. Like, what does that, what does that mean to you when I, I mean, how do I, how do I put the, I mean, it's clear we meet people that, that say they, they're, they can talk it, they can say, I love myself, um, but what does that mean? Define that for me. I'm going to give you full screen too. Okay. What does that mean? Like to say, love yourself. What ha- Define that for me. 
Well, it it's loving yourself. It means so many things. And it's really something that's personal to each person because everyone is going to struggle with self-love and self-acceptance in, in different ways, whether it's some aspect of their life or their body. And so for me, when I was younger, I, I struggled with body acceptance and, and had body dysmorphia and all of those things. Uh. Um, but so if I were to find it, Self-love is being able to look at yourself in the mirror in the moment and and just have an appreciation for yourself Mm. and being able to elevate that inner cheerleader instead of that inner critic, because we all have an inner critic and it doesn't necessarily go away, but sometimes you can learn how to silence it a little bit. Yeah. Some days are going to be easier than others, but I used to be so hard on myself and so mean to myself internally. And just over time, years of work, of reframing different things and being nice to myself and kind to myself, it's been able to to elevate that that inner cheerleader that I have, that we all have, that wants to be heard. So you started changing your inner dialogue, the conversations you were having with yourself about who you are. Yes. I love that. And going to yoga really helped. Yoga was very instrumental in in my unintentional self-love journey because I didn't seek out self-love. I didn't realize I was missing it. I always knew that I was hard on myself, but uh, going to yoga and having an incredible instructor, her name was Lisa. She would always say these things that made me reflect on and off of the mat. And I remember in one class being able to look at myself in the mirror and and being okay with what I saw. And and that Mm. was huge, huge. Yeah. I'd say a lot of people, especially women, because there's this, there's this um, thing in society. You look at the, the supermodel industry and think, my God, that's just not even realistic. Like they starve themselves, some of them, you know, and it's like, anyway, I, I, I love, I love what you're doing. So, you know, when it, when it comes to, um, when it, when it comes to the, the, your, the law and do doing the law practice stuff and, and all of that, Um, what are your, what are your, what's your vision for you moving forward, getting into more and more of the, um, public speaking and are are you going to create courses or what, what are, what are some of your thoughts or plans around that? Great question, Ken. So long-term I see myself speaking full-time and I see that happening very soon. It is something that absolutely lights my soul on fire. I love empowering people to pursue their potential and make more courageous choices in their life so that they can create a life they love. I absolutely love it. And long-term, I see, I co-authored a book that was published earlier this year with Kyle Wilson. Yeah. And long-term, I see a lot of my own books and a journal that goes with one of my signature presentations around the power of pausing. I see courses and also wellness retreats. I've hosted my own retreat in the past. And so in 2022, I plan on hosting wellness retreats specifically for attorneys and then retreats specifically for women. And then maybe I'll open it up to to different people. Um, But those are some of my long-term goals. 
what would you do with a group of 20 attorneys that 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 want to i mean and i'm i'm assuming men and women they want to come to your retreat what what are you going to what are you going to teach them? I know a lot of attorneys. I, I have one of my best friends is, is a, is an attorney. And, and he, what's funny is he recently got into yoga and yes. meditation and like, it's completely changed him in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, I mean, what do you, what would you say to a group of attorneys in a retreat setting for what, two or three days, I'm assuming, what, what would that be about? What would it be like for them? Well, number one, it would be about taking time to pause in their life and do something for themselves. Yeah. Because too many attorneys and just people in general, but attorneys are prioritizing their clients and their emergencies and the fires that they're putting out. Yeah. And if they have their own firm or they're working for someone else, it's so stressful. Many attorneys miss out on life events. Because something came up or they have to get something out the door, missing weddings or birthday parties or all types of things. And unfortunately, that stuff is is um, in taught in law school to become acceptable. I remember not going home for Thanksgiving, my first year in law school, because I had to study. So they set you up really early in law school to to start prioritizing other people outside of yourself. So it'd be about taking time to pause, which would include doing some yoga. I am certified to teach yoga and mindfulness. We would do some meditation, some goal setting, and just taking time to get away from their everyday life and and take time to have some silence and slow down so that they get more clarity in their life uh, about what they want to do moving forward when they leave that wellness retreat, which will include making different choices and setting boundaries and communicating those and enforcing those, knowing that they have control of their life. Everyone has control of your life. It's just you have to make a choice. And sometimes those choices are very difficult and people do not want to experience the immediate consequence of that choice, but they want the long term consequence of that choice. And consequences can be good, good or bad of a decision. And so really just having attorneys come to do some reflection, to slow down, get some clarity learn how to prioritize themselves in in a retreat setting so they can start to gradually do that when they go back to the office. And, and I think it will be great to see what type of changes are made from the yeah. top down um, with culture and, and certain law firms. Most of them are going to attend and go back and quit their jobs. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> okay, kid. Um, some I'm- might, some might. <laughs> But some uh, of them probably should if we're if we're just you know, yes. completely. And, and that's the thing, too, I think, with attorneys is oftentimes our identity is associated with our profession and what we do. And if you do pivot and change, it's like, yeah. well, what am I going to do? And you can do so much with a law degree. And so many attorneys are creative. And I feel like that creativity gets um, suppressed with all of the stress you know, that, that you have going on and you don't have that extra time to do those things that made you happy and and to have that outlet. And so for anyone watching my biggest piece of advice until you can get to one of my retreats or one of my speaking events is just to take time to do something that makes you happy, whether that's a hobby or some type of project. And sometimes people don't know what makes them happy because they've been so unhappy for so long. And so it might be one of those things. What did you do when you were younger? 
before you started your career, before life and family got in, you know, um, you know, took all of your attention. So that's a process too, of discovering what does make you happy, but making time to do it yeah. and make yourself a priority and not an option. I, I love this line of questioning. Victoria is not an attorney, although I think she should consider being one. Um, how did you become aware that self-love was important and how did you change your mindset and start the process of, of elevating your inner cheerleader? Like what was it that, what, what was the moment that you're like, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not self-loving here. Mm -hmm. I'm self, whatever, deprecating, self-hating, mm -hmm. self-loathing. What, what was it that made you go, I got to, I got to change. I got to start loving myself. Did you hear somebody talk about it? No, it, it wasn't. There wasn't like one moment in time where it's like, today is the day. Enough is enough. It was really a gradual process. Uh, I call them like a self-love shift. Like these mm. small little shifts that I was making. I mm -hmm. remember very vividly when I was in law school, becoming the smallest I'd ever been working out all of the time, under yeah. eating, doing things in a very unhealthy way. And I got into this ideal weight and size. I always thought that once I achieve that, then I'll be happy. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and just beating myself up and thinking, well, I don't have abs yet. And I can still pinch this small amount of fat on my stomach. And I still have some cellulite that I can see on my legs. Wow. And it was in that moment that I just accepted. I was like, it is always going to be this way because I achieved what I thought would make me happy. And it was enough. And that's where at the time I didn't realize how important my mindset was. I just recall that experience very vividly. And I just thought, this is how it's always going to be. I'm never going to feel enough and I'm always going to be working on something. And when I achieve it, it's not going to make me feel any better about myself. And wow. so years later until I went to yoga and one of my instructors would talk about, you know, come to the mat to feel not to accomplish. And then talking about not comparing ourselves to people in the room and focusing on what you can do in the moment and, and focusing on what your body's capable of doing in that particular moment, not what it was capable of doing the, the day before. And it was just these small things that were happening over time where I would apply what I was hearing. And then it might just be one moment in time where I would catch myself and think, Oh, I'm going to accept myself in this moment. And then I'll, I'll think about it in the next moment when I'm struggling. And it was these small shifts. And so what I started to do was prioritize more positive thoughts and think, okay, if I can choose this negative thought or feeling, then I can also choose a positive thought. And so when I would have these moments in the mirror, I would say no, you know, kind of just internal dialogue. Yeah. And I would just choose to, to say something more kind to myself. And it was just a process and it was going to yoga. It was reading personal development books, but applying what I was learning and taking time to be very intentional in various moments. And then also sharing my story online. The more yeah. vulnerable I was, I realized I'm not alone. So many people go through this and yeah. um, I, I certainly have my days, but it is so much easier now yeah. than it than it was. And it, and it takes time. It takes I, I, I think, and I, I, I teach that and you know that, that, you know, be transparent, be open, be, I mean, you talk about not drinking or you quit drinking, yes. right? That's indicative that, you know, I needed to <laughs> like the, you know, and the same with me. And, and so being 
being that light in the darkness that other people may be experiencing is what you're doing. And, and I absolutely love that because you, you're bring, you, people look at somebody like you and they go, wow, she's beautiful. She's an attorney. She's, you know, done all these amazing things. She got way into debt in law school and, and is, is working her way out of it. But, you know, you're also vulnerable and transparent and you allow people to see that, hey, this is real life here. Like this, you know, I think everybody thinks that it's all unicorns and rainbows and, and that's just not the case. Correct. It is. There is a lot more that is going on in everyone's lives and you just have to be kind to yourself. Give yourself self grace and compassion like you would if a friend came to you going through any similar struggles. It's just give yourself that grace and compassion because yeah. if, if you can choose to be hard on yourself, you can also choose to, to learn how to accept yourself. And I tell people you cannot hate yourself into loving yourself. And this goes way deeper than body positivity and accepting yourself physically. You cannot hate yourself into loving yourself. You yeah. have to choose it and you have to choose it every single day. And, and a lot of that starts with being kind to yourself and giving yourself that grace and compassion and forgiveness that I was talking about earlier, especially during the times where you didn't show up as the best version of yourself. But today is a new day. Today yeah. you have a new choice and tomorrow you have a, a new opportunity. So it's, it's okay to be a work in progress. What, what do you say to someone um, that, you know, I, I, I love having the show because I can ask very selfish questions. Um, what do you say to someone that may be um, overweight and, 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 and knows that, I mean, and it's not about, I'm not shaming me. I just know that I got, I had COVID. I got out of the hospital. They gave me steroids and I couldn't stop eating. Like I, I like my wife was like, what is wrong with you? Why do you, I was ordering from Instacart every day, a hundred dollars a day. And, and, and like, and she's like, why are you buying all this ice cream and nonsense? And I, I just couldn't stop eating. And so, um, you know, what, how does somebody go about, in your opinion, how does someone go about, they look in the mirror and they know, I'm fat and it's, it's gross, right? Like, I don't like it. How do you get them to start having positive conversations with themselves when there's no evidence physically of reasons why you should? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I would say a lot of that starts by making a choice to take some type of action. And so yeah. that could look a, a few different ways where, Okay, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I don't feel my best right now, yeah. but I can still choose to be kind to myself. I don't have to, to beat myself up. I know that I might not feel my best, but I'm not going to be mean to myself in this particular moment. And then go take some type of action that's going to make you feel better. Some type of small action because we can get very overwhelmed with all of these big goals and think, okay, I want to lose 20 pounds or 50 pounds. And then you just get overwhelmed with, okay, how am I going to achieve that? Especially when it gets challenging and hard, but making yeah. one small choice of, okay, I don't feel great right now, but what can I do about that? That's going to make me feel better above and beyond just my mindset. What type of physical action can I take? Is that going to drink a glass of water instead of grabbing, you know, a sweet tea? Is that, 
choosing to put a serving of, of vegetables on my plate instead of the ice cream or or just going to walk one minute outside instead of thinking you have to go walk five miles, just these small choices because it compounds over time. There is a speaker that I heard, Darren Hardy. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his book, The Compound Effect. Yeah. Okay. I, I loved hearing him speak in 2017 at a conference I went to, and it was so simple. And his analogy that he used on the compound effect was around health and fitness, where you don't wake up one day where you're not comfortable in your own skin and you're overweight. It's it's these choices that we make over time where you are not going to gain weight because you eat the hamburger or the fries or the ice cream. But it's doing that over and over and over again and not maybe working out or moving your body. Yeah. It's the same way if you want to build muscle and lose body fat. You can't just go to the gym once. It's these consecutive choices repeated over and over again. And it's the compound effect. So that's yeah. self-love where it's not just, oh, this positive thought and this one positive action that I go take and I'm just going to wake up and it's going to be amazing and I have this self-acceptance. It is doing that every single day over and over and over and yeah. it compounds over time. Yep. It gradually becomes a little more natural than feeling so forced. And it's yeah. all about making more empowering choices over disempowering choices. And that is how you take control of your life for everybody watching in any aspect, personally, professionally, your physical fitness, your mental health, uh, you know, your mindset yep. choices. That's how you take control of your life. You can always make a more empowering choice or a disempowering choice. You can make a more productive choice, a more destructive choice. Yeah. And it's a process and it's just one choice at a time. I agree. And I, 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 I see people giving me advice. Oh, I love that. Um, I, I, I mean, I have an aneurysm in my heart. I'm not allowed to work out right now. So, um, but you know, so it is what it is for me at the moment until, till that's handled. But, um, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I think, you know, you're a thousand percent right. I love Darren Hardy's book. That's, it's an amazing book. Um, but in your opinion, and, and by the way, this question I ask everybody and the number one answer is fear. So you have to do better than that. Okay. Um, the, the, and that is in your opinion, what do you think is holding people back in life from Number one, achieving real financial success and freedom. And number two, same same playing field, happiness, joy, just total freedom in life. What do you think is holding people back? And you've got full screen for this one, too. Oh, that's such a big question, Ken. I know. Ooh, okay, so in my personal opinion, what I feel like that that holds people back from really going after what they want and the the financial freedom, the personal freedom, the happiness that you mentioned, that is not the number one response that all of your other guests give you, which you said is fear. I think a lot of it has to do with not feeling good enough, not mm. feeling worthy enough, not feeling like they are capable of having those things or deserve those things. And so I can circle that back to self-love. But with respect to success, I feel like a lot of times people experience imposter syndrome, myself included. Yeah. And the thing is, is most successful people 
have imposter syndrome when they're getting outside of their comfort zone and they're challenging themselves like that is normal because it's normal to have those doubts, but you can power through them. And so I would say that that I think is what holds a lot of people back is that feeling like they're not good enough and and not being able to rise above that and, and then that imposter syndrome of I belong here. I'm capable. If they can do it, I can do it or I can do it better. That mindset of of getting rid of that comparison and and not worrying about what other people are, have done or how they've done it, but being able to create your own path and and empower through that self-doubt. I, you know, I, um, the imposter syndrome thing is, is huge. I, I remember, um, because I didn't go to college, I've employed a lot of college graduates that couldn't pour. Well, never mind. We won't even go there. But, um, but, you know, I, I think that, um, I've experienced that off and on throughout my life. I mean, even when it came down to, to getting on a live stream years ago when I had Grant Cardone going, you got to use this medium, you got to do this, you got to, and I'm going, uh, and I, you know, I remember I was like, why am I doing this? The very first time I, I always say I was nervous as a hooker in church. I was, I was terrified and I'm like, what, why am I doing this? And you know, what if an ex shows up or so, you know, whatever, like all right. of the, the what ifs, but I powered through and did it anyway. And now I've done thousands and thousands of them. But, you know, I, I think that everybody experiences that. And if they tell you that they, they've never experienced that, they'll lie to you about other things too. So I, I love that answer. I love what you just said. There was this time back in years ago when my wife and I had first met and we opened up an office and had a handful of employees and, and I, everybody was getting paid except for us. And one day I'm on the phone and one of this big guy that worked for me comes walking in my office and I'm like, what I'm on the phone. Like, you know, what are you doing, dude? And, and he's like, there's some dude in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like, you're bigger than me. Tell him to get the hell out of here. And he's like, he's got it blocked with a tow truck. And I'm like, Oh no, the bank wants their money. <laughs> and so I remember, I remember that I was like, Oh my God, I have never felt so small in my, I had, you know, three or four employees standing outside watching the repo guy take my car mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to inspire them. Hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to, you know, but, and I'll never forget how little and insignificant I felt in that moment. And I, I was like, what's the point of even living? I, I mean, I got there, you know, in my yeah. head, what's the point of going on? This is crazy. And I think that, 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 you know, especially with the pandemic and suicide rates skyrocketing or did, I, I don't know where they're at now, but I know they skyrocketed. What do you say to somebody that has given it everything they're, they're, they're maybe now they're, electrics being shut off, their cars being repoed. They've given everything that they can and they still can't figure it out. And it's Christmas. It's the holidays right now. 
What do you say to that person? What, how do you help them get over the hump into the next moment? That's a big question, Ken. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. I've asked that one a lot too. <laughs> well, you know, it's difficult because I'm not in that situation. And so sometimes people will think, well, it's easy for you to say this because you're not in that situation. Right. Um, and so, <clears throat> and being aware, of, being aware of that, it's just to keep going, to not give up. And that's the power of your mind because so many things will be outside of your control. Yeah. And all you can do is to just keep holding on to keep trying one more time, one more choice, just having hope, even if, if you feel hopeless, but just trying to, to just keep going. And that's, that's so simple. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't really, I feel like answer your, your question in some type of profound way, but that's the thing is too many people give up. Too many people just give up and say, you know what? I'm done. But if you just keep going, even if it feels like that, that choice that is, it's so small, it can be significant over time with the compound effect. That one decision to show up one more day to keep going and to know while time is always running out, things are always changing. So what you're experiencing now does not have to last forever. Yep. And that too will pass. Yeah. Choices over time, repeated over and over and over. And, and I love, I, I, one of my, in that, in those moments, in those moments of absolute freaking out panic attack. I mean, I've I've been there. (laughs) It's like, I've been there and it's really, it, it comes down to right. The, the way you're thinking other people are looking at you. I didn't care as much about my car being repossessed as I did the people that were standing there watching me and what, and what I thought they were thinking uh-huh. about me. Right. And, and so you have behind you, I'm going to go full screen. One of my favorite prayers ever of all time. And that's the serenity prayer. I have said that I'll, I'm not exaggerating 10,000 probably times because in those moments of desperation, you've got it. You've got to change the conversation you're having Mm -hmm. in your head. And that prayer does it for me. Yes. And, and I think that's a great uh, segue into my life mantra. And so maybe that would help someone through a difficult time is I am strong and courageous. Whenever you are doubting yourself, whenever you have fear, whenever you have an opportunity that it's easier to say no because you're worried about fear of failure or what people are thinking about, or you're just struggling in a difficult time trying to hold on, Mm. your mindset is so powerful. And I repeat it to myself every day and sometimes all throughout the day, depending on what is going on in my life and different stressors, but I am strong and courageous. Mm, I am strong and courageous. And if you repeat that to yourself, whenever you're doubting yourself or whenever you're feeling nervous or whenever you're struggling, that can help help, like help you power through whatever is going on in the moment, inhaling and exhaling that mindful breathing. I'm strong and courageous. I'm strong and courageous. Yeah. I love, love, love that. I can't wait for you to have a, a, a retreat that, that I can come to. 
I can't wait for that. So Brandy, you are absolutely amazing. You're a rock star. I'm so grateful that you came on here and shared your wisdom, your truth, and and your story with everybody. Where can everybody follow you? Where's the best place? Well, thank you for having me, Ken. It was a great conversation. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, which is currently a private account. But if you just DM me, like, you know, breakthrough walls or Ken or anything, I'll approve it. Um, I just keep everything separate right now with uh with work but yeah. my instagram is the self-love challenge i post there all of the time i'm always doing stories ken you saw my story uh the other day where i was yep. dancing with my dog yep. <laughs> i yeah. didn't take myself too seriously whatsoever but i am always posting there and um that would be the best way to follow me all of my website stuff is currently being updated i'm not sure which domain i'm going to be using moving forward so the best way to contact me if you would like me to come speak to your organization or maybe do a retreat uh it's the self-love challenge at gmail.com the self-love challenge at gmail.com and if you email me i'm happy to send you the book chapter that i uh, published earlier this year in um, a book called bringing value solving problems and leaving a legacy it is all about how i turn my burnout into a blessing and five steps that you can take to pursue meaningful happiness in your life because for everyone watching know that it is never too late to start or to start over in any aspect of your life personally or professionally so happy to send that book chapter chapter to you at the self-love challenge at gmail.com just send me an email and everybody should go get a copy of the book anyway it's a great book it's a great book i think i have two or three copies of it yes yeah. So Brandy, you're awesome. Thank you. I, I really genuinely appreciate it. Do I have the uh, email address right? Please. Yes. At Gmail. Okay. Yes. Yes, so, thank you so much for having me. I know that you've asked me multiple times and, uh, you know, to, to be very transparent because that's what this conversation is all about. Yeah. You know, I talked about imposter syndrome earlier. I was yeah. just like, I couldn't believe that you wanted me on your show. I was like, you've had Grant Cardone on your show, Don Hobbs on your show, uh, yeah. Ramey, all of these successful people. And I kept thinking, well, you know, I have my website that's being updated and all of these things. Let me get yeah. all of my ducks in a row on that end. And, and then yeah. you were just persistent. And I, I really appreciate you and the opportunity and being able to inspire your audience. And I, I genuinely appreciate Brian Galkey like pushing it over the edge. <laughs> yes. yes, when we met, because I didn't realize he had been on your show. And if you're watching, yeah. hi, Brian. He uh, was on here earlier. I don't know yes. if he's still here, but um, thank you, Brian, for pushing Brandy over the edge. And Brandy, listen, I know, like, I, I've been asked to be on shows that, you know, I think, what? Why? Why me? But why not me? Exactly. Right? And you why know, not you? And, and that's the thing is, you know, I can tell you to believe in yourself all day long. And in so much of my content, it, I write it for myself because I need these kind reminders too. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's all about taking action, getting out of your comfort zone. And yep. I'm grateful that Brian and I had met and we had that conversation. He told me he was on your show. And I was like, Ken has been trying to get me on it. He's like, well, set a date. When are you going to get on it? And then right. he sent me a message on Thanksgiving, a personalized message. Yeah. Which I really, it blew me away. I couldn't believe he did. 
Yeah. And then I was watching your live. It wasn't the live that you had interviewed Ramey on, but you were talking about taking action and yeah. creating a sense of urgency and time. And you I remember. Yeah, yeah. I talked about Ramey's book a lot. So I ordered the book and yeah. it was like you were speaking to my soul, Ken. I was like, yes, Brandy, take action. Just book, <laughs> the, book the show. Just do it already. So I did. And here we are. Here we are. Here we and are. you have such an amazing story. And, and you know, for anybody, here's what's crazy. You're, you're this, this, uh, you're a successful attorney. You've, you know, you've, you've passed the bar exam. You went to law school. What is that? Seven years total of every, of seven or eight years or yes. what, you know, so you've done all of these amazing things and yet you still experience that self doubt. And we all do every single one of us. Oh, absolutely. So I, I absolutely. love your transparency. I love that. That's Ken, awesome. Ken, this past year has tested me in so many ways. And uh, I can't remember the book that I'm reading it because I read like 10 at a time. I don't finish general. I did finish Ramey's like pretty quickly, like cover to cover. Yeah, um, yeah. But most of the time I'm reading a lot at the same time. It's the some a book about resistance. And I just had this interesting period in my life of uh, this past year and people that follow me on social media, I'm sure saw it where I wasn't showing up every single day, but pretty consistently still where those thoughts of who am I to do this? Why do I want to do this? Yeah. Um, when you're trying to grow and elevate to that next level, you will be challenged. Yep. And it's in that challenge, those obstacles that you're given an opportunity to push through it, to keep going, to keep showing up, to keep making those choices and to really reflect and get clarity. And um, let's see, Ramey, I wrote down, he said, and I'm not sure exactly, but I wrote down in the back, I took a lot of notes. Wow. Yes. And, and I like tabbed and like underlined this whole Look thing. Look at that, jeez. Yes. I wrote, the, the first thing I wrote was to have a clear burning desire for extraordinary success. And I have that desire, but he also said you have to have a um, definite purpose and a plan. And so I feel like this past year was me really getting some clarity on my purpose and developing that plan so that I can continue to show up throughout, you know, those those doubts that we all have, especially when you're rising and you're elevating to the next level. Because yep. if it feels comfortable, you're not challenging yourself. It's Amen. through that comfort that you can be courageous. And you just power through. You take that action anyway, despite fear. And so as long as you're growing and evolving and improving and challenging yourself to come the best version of yourself, the most confident version of yourself and the most courageous version of yourself, you will have doubt. So expect yeah. it, normalize it and know that you can choose to power through it. And that is the power of your, your circle and the people that you surround yourself with. You yeah. want people who will support you and encourage you and remind you of how amazing you are. And if you don't have those people, you need to change your circle because Amen. there are people out in the world that want to see you succeed and they are more than willing to help you get there. Yep. It's the truth. Thousand percent. The truth. Brandy Wilson Edwards, ladies and gentlemen, we have a real rock star on with us today. And her name is Brandy. Brandy, thank you so much for being here and sharing. And everybody, make sure that you follow Brandy everywhere possible. And um, there, man, there are some, there are some great things getting ready to happen for you, Brandy. So hang on. 
Thank you. I'm excited. And I cannot wait, Ken, until you are front row in a sold out stadium that I'm speaking at with VIP access because it's going to happen one day. I get to go backstage? Yes, you get to go backstage. (laughs) Awesome. Brandy, thank you so much. Everybody that was on here and watched and commented and shared. If you shared this out, that's like there's extra bonus points for you in heaven or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. Brandy, thank you for being here. Thank you. We'll see you guys all later. Have an awesome day. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.